jump in at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse 7, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Now listen, to another, the word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. And, verse 9, to another, faith by the same Spirit. What I want you to see is this is not necessarily saying that each one of us function in every one of these gifts. These gifts are given for the benefit of the body of Christ. So an individual may function or flow in one of these gifts and possibly several of these gifts. But what we see is that it says to one is given this gift, to another that gift. You understand? Whereas now Jesus flowed in all of those gifts. Now is it possible for us to flow in all of those gifts? Yes, because it's as the Holy Spirit wills. But often people are gifted and flow in one or a couple of these more than others. But can God shift and, and use us for any of this? Yes. We know that Jesus flowed in all the gifts and he had the Spirit without measure. But here we see that we'll flow in some of the gifts because to one is given this, to another is given that. I want us to look at this. Let's go to the fact that there are two baptisms. Now, everyone knows that there's the water baptism and there's baptism in the Holy Spirit. We see this in Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11. So two baptisms, water and baptism in the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You only need to be water baptized one time. You're only baptized in the Holy Spirit to receive the Holy Spirit and the ev with the evidence of speaking in tongues one time. However, I want to show you something else on that. So we're going to now look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. I don't know if this is, is new to you or if you've heard this before. It says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, New American Standard says, but be filled with the Spirit. Then verse 19 tells us how to be filled with the Spirit. It continues, speaking to one another, or actually, I'm sorry, let's go with King James better. King James says, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks. Well, wait a second. I thought you just said they got baptized in the, in the Holy Ghost. And if we look through the part of Acts, which we will, we're going to see that it says they were full of the Holy Ghost. The Bible is progressive revelation. It means the more we continue on in time with the writings, there's more light brought to us. Yes, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, but I want to spend a little bit more time on this verse right here because that word filled in Ephesians 5.18 actually means, and a better way to say it would be, be being filled. Be being filled. Now, and I want you to know this 
really primarily for your own personal benefit, even more than just teaching it, I want you to understand that this is important to know. Be being filled. So the Greek word there, so it, what's, what it's implying is continue to be filled. Well, how do we know that? Because it just says, but be filled with the Spirit. Well, one Greek word is P-L-E-R-O-O. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that for you, okay? But that is the word that is used here in this verse. And that definition of that word means to make full, to complete, to accomplish increasing. Implying there a process. It's important because there's another Greek word that's similar, but implies that the process has already been finished. And that Greek word is P-L-E-R-E-S. I'm not going to test you on the Greek words. I'm just giving you this so that you can understand what this verse is really saying to us. Now, this word means to be filled, filled, mature, implying the completed process. But that's not the word that's used here. The Greek word here is closer to be being filled. A continued process. So even though we've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, we see from this that we're told not to get drunk with wine because that's dissipation, but to be or to be being filled with the Spirit. Well, that kind of then implies to us a different measure or amount of carrying the Spirit, doesn't it? Because it, it's implying that that can change. So we want to stay full of the Spirit. And way, a way we do that is by speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord, always giving thanks. And I was told, I wasn't around him personally, but people that did work with Kenneth Hagin in the prayer and healing center, in prayer school, that were around him a lot personally, I was with him in a big group, uh, said that he was always walking around and under his breath, he was either praying in tongues or he was speaking out psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. But there was always something going on. It was all Just very quietly under his breath, but always, always building himself up. Well, there's something we can learn from that because the fruit from his life was very, very good. So we can see that we are to be being filled, keep getting filled, stay full, keep ourselves in that place. Now, we're going to look at something else. So in Acts, and I, I think this is interesting. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, it says, They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Well, this is Pentecost. The apostles were there. How do we know the apostles were there? Well, because if we look up above in chapter 1, verse 26, they're talking about needing to replace somebody, and they're going to draw lots to see who they're going to replace. Well, you can say, geez, they were going to draw lots to see how they were going to replace an apostle. Guess what? Holy Spirit hadn't come yet. So they drew lots. Okay, at that time. Now, when Pentecost came, then they had the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of them. Then they were led by the Spirit of God. So we see them being led that way later, but back here. So we've got the apostles there. The day of Pentecost comes, 
And in verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now turn to Acts 4.31. If we back up a little bit, we can see that Peter and John released to their own companions in verse 23. So they go to their own company to pray with them. They're all praying in one accord. Well, we can see if Peter and John are there, that the apostles are here, right? Because we know at least Peter and John are here. And so they pray and will to their one their group. So here they are with their group and they're praying. And we see that they're praying in verse 29 and verse 30 and in verse 31. And when they had prayed, who? Well, the apostles, at least some of them. The place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Wait a second, I thought they were already filled with the Holy Spirit. Why is it saying it again? That they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak the word of God with boldness. Now it's possible that, well, maybe there were people there that weren't filled the first time. But it's also, it is saying they were filled the first time, saying they're filled the second time. There can be refillings of the Holy Spirit. What do I mean by that? I mean that you can, you can receive increased measures of the Holy Spirit. To a certain extent, if we're not careful, we can leak like a colander. It's got holes, you know. Sometimes throughout the day, we can leak. So we want to keep ourselves full of the Holy Spirit. It helps to get uh, refilled and receive more of God. Okay, I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. You can think about that. Another scripture, Acts 13.52, says, And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Okay, everybody tracking with me on this so far? Okay, so we, we see that if, it's, if we're to be being filled, that must mean it, it's possible not to be all the way full. I mean, somehow, I mean, I'm not measuring that. Well, does that mean I don't have the Holy Spirit? It means you do have the Holy Spirit. You've got the evidence of speaking in tongues, but it's telling us to keep ourselves full. Okay, you, you see that? That's all I'm going to say there. It's telling us to keep ourselves full. Uh, now, what I want to talk about is the works of Jesus. And our main text is that Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and might have it abundantly. That was his purpose, to bring us life, abundant life. John 10, 38 says, If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. And John 14, 12 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. That's greater in number, not greater in measure. So we're seeing, it's talking about the works of Jesus. Jesus spent a lot of time teaching, and we're going to focus on that tonight. The reason why it's, in, it's important to focus on this is because I don't want it to be missed by you. I want you to value the teaching gift. Do you hear me in that? It is very easy, even for Christians, to get caught up in what I'm going to call the spectacular workings of God and not value what is still supernatural, and that's that teaching gift. So we love signs and wonders and miracles. That's fabulous. 
but so is the teaching gift. I'll give you a personal example. Not too long ago, we know what was going on with that Lakeland revival, and everybody was talking about wanting to go out there, and so I, I and somebody kept asking me to go out there, you know, with them, and so I prayed about it, but I didn't, I wasn't led to go, and so I didn't go. But as I was praying, I was thinking, gee, God, you know, you're doing all that great stuff out there, you know, what about here, you know? And you know what he revealed to me? He revealed to me teaching the Bible school. And he just gave me this experience, understanding of value the teaching. You know, we do, we do pray for signs and wonders. We do want the miracles. We want all of that. But we also need to make sure that we're still valuing the teaching gift. And so we can even look at, at the life of Jesus and he turned water into wine. Those that were paralyzed were raised up, and the dead were raised, and it's just flashy. It's wonderful. It is wonderful. It's, it's God working. But guess what? The teaching gift is wonderful, too. Because, see, you can, the, the miracles can come, but somebody's got to teach the people, either before or after. And what we're going to see with Jesus is that a lot of times we'll see that he healed but there are many scriptures in here that'll say uh, he taught and then healed. Or the people heard him and then received healing. Why? Because teaching the word of God builds faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, that's the teaching gift in operation. And when that teaching gift is in operation, people their faith is lifted up, and they can receive whatever they need, whether it's finances or healing, because they've been edified by that teaching gift. See, the Holy Spirit will move in, say, gifts of healing, gifts of healings, really, but that's as the Holy Spirit wills. We don't always know when he's going to do that and when he's not. So how do you help people that need to be healed? One thing we always know is that we can teach them the word of God so that their faith can grow, so that they can receive healing out of their own faith in the word of God. Do you see what I'm saying? So the Holy Spirit will move as he wills, but we can teach at any time. We can always teach whether or not the Holy Spirit is in manifestation with those other gifts, like gifts of healings. Do you, do you see that? Do you see why that's important? This is why Kenneth Hagin would always spend so much time teaching. And even when he would go around and do a crusade, or like a healing crusade, he would, he would run it uh, five days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And he would not pray for people or lay hands on them until Friday. And he wanted them in the services the rest of the week. And sometimes got to the point where they were, if for, to get into the healing line, they were required to fill out a card showing that they'd been in the services sometime prior, at least in some of those services, before getting hands laid on them for healing. Why? Was he just selecting certain people? <laughs> Certainly not. What he was doing was he was trying to get the word of God built into their spirit to get their faith to a point 
that when he did lay hands on them, they could grab hold of that anointing and contain it. Amen. Contain that healing power. See, now we've talked a little bit about that healing power can be lost too, right? So that faith has got to be strong enough to hold on to that. So what he was doing, spending time teaching them to build them up. See, that's, that's the teaching gift operating. I'm telling you this because I want you to remember this. I even had somebody before we went to, um, well, I'm going to share this with you too. Before we went to Mexico, they said to me, oh, you know, pray that, you know, you'll have the blind eyes open. I thought, well, gee, okay, I guess that's a good idea. I hadn't really thought of that. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, I was going down there just to get things set up and started, and that sounded good. But see, that's something that primarily God uses them in. Okay, so I went down there, and what was God using us in? Evangelism, ministering to children, and feeding the poor. And I thought, I thought, well, I'm primarily doing down here what I do at home. Why? Well, because these are the gifts that are functioning in me, at least right now. You see what I'm saying? And when I came home, I was praying about it. I didn't see any blind eyes open. Well, first of all, you have to find the sick people anyway. And I'm thinking, I get home, and I'm praying about it. and thinking, well, gee, God. But see, it wasn't really out of, coming up out of my heart anyway. It was, what, it was a ministry. It's gifting that somebody else functions in. Now, I'm not saying that I can't. I, God has said that he'd use me for gifts of healing. He has used me for gifts of healing. Okay, but I came home, and I'm praying. All these, these people go and they see this and that and you do all these wonderful, it would really be fun, you know. And as I'm praying, he started revealing to me, yeah, because we'd ministered at the orphanage and we'd, we'd bless the kids at the orphanage and we've got a heart to go back and keep helping them at the orphanage. And in my prayer time, what he was showing me is he said, what is more important, to open natural eyes or to open spiritual eyes? Yes. And I thought, oh, wow, see how, see God's so smart. You know, in our, 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 our human thinking, you know, sometimes, you know, it's just not as good as God's. Right. <laughs> so he's so smart. I'm thinking, wow, that's like so good, God. What is better? Well, what's better? Naturalize to open or spiritualize? And I thought, well, spiritualize. And then he impressed me. That's what you're doing with the orphanage. Because you're going to help support a place where they're going to bring in kids, where they can nurture love and teach the truth, and open their spiritual Amen. eyes. And maybe some of those kids will go out and lay hands on the sick, and, and the blind will see. Yes. You see what I'm Amen. saying? But see, see, so we have to be very careful. That I, want you to, I want you to hear me in this. People that have curly hair go, oh, you have such nice straight hair. I wish my hair was straight. <laughs> and people that have straight hair think, Oh, your hair is so thick and fluffy. That's what a blessing. You don't even need to get a perm. It's just automatically curled. See, Mike's looking at me like, what are you talking about? This is probably a girl thing, okay? <laughs> it's a girl thing. Okay, the girl thing is that what I see is that oftentimes people want what they don't have, and they don't value what they do have. <coughs> what I want you, I want you to now transfer that into the fact of value the gift of God that's in you. Amen. Let God work through you the way he wants to work through you. Appreciate it, value it, continue in it, and be careful that you don't oh, covet another man's spiritual gift.
Now, it's good to desire the things of God, but it's probably worse to covet somebody else's spiritual gift than to covet their silver or gold. Value the way God works in you and through you. Do you, hear, you hear me in that? I want us to see that Jesus did not only go around doing miracles and signs and wonders and raising the dead and lifting up the paralytics and for the blind eyes to see. Because sometimes in our thinking, we can think that's our focus. Yes, did he do all those things? Yes, he certainly did. But he sure spent a lot of time teaching. In Luke 4.18, Jesus proclaims his purpose in ministry. It's so important for you to value the gifts that God wants to use through you. So he doesn't say the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The first thing he says there is not for blind eyes to open, the deaf to hear, the dead to be raised. The first thing he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon him because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He did preaching and teaching. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. Yes, it is in there, but it's not in there listed as, as first. To set free those who are downtrodden to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. In Luke 4.31, since you're right there, we can cover some verses this way, 4.31. And he came down to Capernaum, a, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. Verse 32, and they were amazed at his teaching. We see him teaching. Luke 4, 43, 44. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, again purpose, for I was sent for this purpose. Preaching. So he spent much time preaching and teaching, and this should not be overlooked. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Now, we see that also, the Matthew 9.35 says, And Jesus was going about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So the healing was there, but oftentimes it was, it was after he'd preached the gospel. Matthew 9.36, And seeing the multitudes, he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And this is where he says, Pray the Lord of the harvest to send in workers. But when he, it says he, he felt compassion on them, then he taught Matthew 9. And seeing the multitudes, he felt compassion for them because they were di distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. And, and he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Verse 35, chapter 9, verse 35. And Jesus was going about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So he's seeing them without a shepherd. He's taking compassion on them. And then he's getting his disciples equipped and he's telling them what to go and do and teach. So he instructs them in chapter 10, verse 5 tells them who to go to, and tells them to preach. But he doesn't just tell them in verse 8, heal the sick, raise the dead. See, sometimes we get caught up in that, but we need to look at what it says before then in verse 7. As you go preach, again, we see preaching and teaching. Then it says heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you received, freely give. 
And I know that Kenneth Hagin said whenever he would teach, he had more healings than just trying to minister to the sick without teaching. Now, Jesus taught, and even when he taught in the synagogues near his own hometown, the listeners were astonished with the wisdom and the miracles, and yet they took offense at him. And so I've covered this before, but we'll touch on this slightly a little bit again. Mark 6, 5, he could do no miracles there except that he laid his hands upon a few sick people and healed them. What do you mean? Jesus could do no miracles there? Yeah, well, this is also more evidence that Jesus was functioning as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. If he was functioning purely with all of his privileges as God, see, but it says he emptied himself being made in the likeness of man. Well, if he was functioning in all of his privileges as God, then couldn't he have healed everybody there? Well, we know that God heals by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what we see here is that Jesus could do no miracles there, except that he laid his hands upon a few sick people and healed them. Now verse, it goes, it continues. And he wondered at their unbelief, and he was going around the villages teaching. Again, we see teaching. So when he gets to a point where he marvels at their unbelief, he goes around and he teaches because teaching drives out unbelief. Because teaching brings faith. So teaching also drives out unbelief. I'm going to read you this one last little passage. It's a, like a, it's a little mini uh, story or parable. So I'm going to read this to you and then we'll close. This is, this is pretend, okay? <laughs> All right, I'll just tell you that. Okay, after Jesus returned to heaven, he and the uh, archangel Gabriel were talking. Even in heaven, Jesus bore the marks of the crucifixion. Gabriel said, Master, you must have suffered horribly. Do people know and appreciate how you love them and what you did for them? Jesus replied, Oh no, not yet. Right now, only a few people in Palestine know. Gabriel was perplexed. Then what have you done to let everyone know about your love? Jesus answered, I have asked Peter, Andrew, James, John, and a few more friends to tell others about me. Those who are told will tell even others about me, and yet others, still others, until the last man and last woman in the furthest corner of the earth will have heard the story of how I gave my life for them because I love them so much. Gabriel frowned and looked rather skeptical. Yes, but what if Peter and the others grow weary? What if the people who come after them forget? Surely you have made other plans. Jesus said, Gabriel, I have not made other plans. I'm counting on them. So I want to leave that with you because you are the ones that he's counting on. You are the ones that he's counting on. Jesus said that you would do greater works. He's in heaven. You were here to do the works that he did. That includes teaching. It includes preaching. It includes laying hands on the sick. It includes evangelism. But also, I'm going to say again, do not neglect the teaching gift. It is supernatural. It is supernatural. When it is with an anointing of God, it is supernatural. It is not man coming up with thoughts all by themselves. It is a supernatural gift functioning for the glory of God so that his people can be taught and edified. And it is important. So are signs and wonders. So are miracles. So are healings. 
but so is teaching and preaching. Amen? Amen. We're going to end there.